0: You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production.
1: This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you. And they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone a willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to cloneawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm coming at you with a titillating reminder that pre-sales for the world's first disability-driven sex toy, the Bumpin' Joystick, are open right now. You can go to www.getbumpin.com That's www.getbumpin.com and you can pre-order your very own Bump and joystick right now, or you can get a gift card for that deliciously disabled person in your life right now. Do it now. Go get it and be part of this amazing new innovation in sex tech. Thanks, friends. Hey, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm here with my friend Kristen, who's a friend of the show, and you've heard her on the show before. But did you know she's also a counselor in training with a physical disability? Hey Kristen, can you tell us more about that?
0: Hey Andrew, I sure can. Um, I've been working as a peer support counselor for about seven years now and I'm now expanding my services offering trauma-informed accessible support to community members. Uh, some of the things I cover are anxiety, depression, grief, relationship issues and all from a disability-centered standpoint.
1: I I love that so much, and I love that we're finally talking about offering disability-centered counseling to other disabled folks, because it's so rarely in the field, and I'm so glad you're doing that. And so I wonder, Kristen, are you offering these services to, oh, I don't know, listeners of a particular podcast on this particular ad right now?
0: Absolutely, Andrew. I'm offering accessible services to listeners of this podcast, and anyone else who's interested in contacting me.
1: And you're, she's also doing that. Not. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. also doing it whether you're disabled or not, which is totally great. So this service is for everyone. And I think what makes it unique is that even if you're not disabled, you can learn things from a disability-centered lens. And I think that's really important. Yes. So, Kristen, this is awesome. And this is so great. Can you tell us what your hours are like?
0: Sure. Right now, I'm able to offer pretty flexible availability to meet the needs of everyone. I know that um, sometimes having physical disabilities and just life being busy in general, it's hard to uh, make time for things like counseling. But I think it's really important. So um, when we touch base, hopefully we can work out a time that works for you.
1: That's awesome. Now, you know, you and I know from trying to get traditional counseling services in in the past, how often financially inaccessible they are. So what's the cost of all this great service?
0: Yeah, because I believe that uh, counseling should be accessible and affordable for everyone. My fee right now is a sliding scale starting at $20 per hour.
1: That is so, that's, that is. That's like basically cheaper than anything you can buy on Amazon right now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Pretty awesome. So I want everybody to know how they can get a hold of you and how they can how they can access your services because what you're offering is so important. How do people get a hold of you?
0: So right now the best way to reach me is through email. It's Kristen.williams10 at gmail.com. That's Kristen K R I S T E N. Dot Williams W I L L I A M S one Zero at Gmail.com
1: Amazing. I'll make sure also, Kristen, that all of this is in the show notes for the episode today.
0: Thank you so Thanks. much,
1: for, Thank you so much for being here and telling us what you do. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Bye. Content warning, the language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability,
0: sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled we keep in the dark. Here is your
1: deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm your host, Andrew Gerza, your disability daddy, if you will. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get today started, shall we? Just before we start the show today, I want to give a brief shout out to my friends at the Cripple Threat Podcast. They're doing a podcast all about um, pop culture and disability by looking at a media thing. So usually they watch a movie and they review the movie around disability and talk about how disability is portrayed in the movie and then talk about some of their experiences, stuff like that really really important stuff, really fun, and I am excited that they're doing it. So they have, they have just launched a Patreon for their podcast, and I want to make sure that I give them some love because we need more disabled creators making stuff, and they're making that show. So if you want to follow them, go wherever you're listening to podcasts right now and listen to the latest episode of Crippled Threat, their show airs every Thursday. And you can support them on Patreon if you want, at Patreon.com/slash, CripThreatPod. So if you wanted to support them and support other disabled creators making cool shows, go ahead and do that. That'd be really—they would really appreciate that. And it's another great show that you can listen to, in your ear holes. That talks about disability. So I'm gonna just give them a shout out. And they did not pay me to do this. I just want to use my platform to uplift other disabled creators making cool stuff. So give them a listen, give them a, a dollar if you can, support their Patreon if you can. And I think their tiers start at like four bucks or something, but, but if you're able to, that'd be great. But now let's get on to the new episode of Disability After Dark. On the show today, continuing with my Black History Month uplift, where I want to talk to specifically black disabled folks, because it's important that we get their voices out there. Today I'm talking to Carnisha Chantel, who is a black disabled creator living with spina bifida, and we explore her experiences of being the only disabled person in her town. Wow. And so much more. We talk about sexuality a little bit. We talk about what inclusion and positivity looks like for her. We talk about... Um, her experiences kind of growing up in a disabled body, what it's like being a part-time influencer and model. We talk about so many things here. It was a really, really fun, juicy, funny interview. She is someone that I think you should all give a follow to after you listen to this. And I was really, really excited to share this interview with you and to have her on. So without further ado, here's my interview with Carnie Chantel. Right now, on Disability After Dark. Carnesha Chantel, hello.
2: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Such a pleasure to have you on Disability After Dark today. I was creeping your social media this morning before we hit record, and I was like, wow. Like, we're going to talk about, like, why your social media was fire in a minute, but oh my goodness, like some of those photos are like wow. Wow. Like I was Thank I you. was just I was fan I was fan gimping over your like over just how awesome they are. Like we need more photos like that in the world.
2: I I agree. We really do.
1: Like because I'm starting to were, run
2: out of ideas.
1: <laughs> like there's one there's one that I saw of you on Instagram that where you were like in your wheelchair, like totally smithing to the camera and I was like that is stunning it was stunning (laughs) so like wow uh so I was definitely like these we need more photos like this in the world but hello for anyone who doesn't know who you are can you introduce yourself a bit and tell us who you are what you do
2: yeah um my name is Carnisha Chantel also known as Kay Chantel I am a disability advocate I am a writer and editor I am also a nail artist and um, part-time influencer and disability model.
1: (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Um, And I can't remember how I initially stumbled on you, but I was like, when I did, and we agreed to do this, I was so excited because it's like, wow, another disability influencer wants to be on my show. Like, that's cool. (laughs) So here we are. Um, So the first thing I want to ask you about is And I ask everybody this question, what are your disabilities? And can you share with us how they impact your life day to day?
2: Yeah, uh, my disabilities are, I I have spina bifida and gastroschisis. And for those who do not know what either of those are, spina bifida is where there isn't a full closure of the spinal cord at birth and gastroschisis was where my um digestive organs were exposed at birth as well. Um
1: fun. So yeah, you so ex-
2: I, yeah, you know it was a it was a great birthing experience for my mom. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, oh, I'm sure she was so excited. I mean, obviously she's excited to have you in the world, but I'm sure like I right. had to be scary for her.
2: right. Um, yeah, because she was fully unaware of both of them. so very fun for her.
1: Fun. oh yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, for you, like, you've obviously been exposed basically your whole life. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, how it impacts my life. Uh, Gastroschisis caused me to not, I wasn't born with a rectum. Okay. So, that impacted um, how much bowel and intestine that I have left. And spinal bifida, spinal bifida. Uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down so i use a wheelchair for mobility
1: Nice awesome Now i know from friends when i was younger who had spinal bifida the one phrase that i remember from talking with them when i was like a teenager was like they had a spinal shelf or like whenever whenever they closed the the hole they made them like mm-hmm. a shelf so like there was a bump in the spine that was that could that looked like a shelf is that common for you?
2: Every every case of spina bifida is different. Yeah. So my spine is actually smooth, but it has um it I have the scarring from where you can tell where they tried to close it and it's like a a gray area over there yeah. on my back on my back. Um, but no shelf that I know of. And over time I just developed scoliosis,
1: but oh that's fun me too hey scoliosis yeah uh, um so um in what ways does like because I have IBS which is not the same thing as gastro obviously but like what how does how do, how does gastroskesis impact your day-to-day life
2: um Gastroschisis doesn't really impact my day-to-day life. Um I guess since I was born with these with these defects, uh, it doesn't really affect me much because I grew up knowing that I had a colostomy. So yeah, it doesn't yeah. like I don't think about it, you know. It's just yeah. my yeah. it's my everyday normal life. Like, <laughs>
1: I was born. I was born with disabilities too, so yeah. I I understand like turning your disability into your second nature and just right. having it be a part of your life. Period. I did that, but I also remember like growing up and being a teenager and trying to do all the stuff and be cool and be like, you know, make friends and do all that stuff. Did your disabilities, kind of as a younger person, play a role in that, or was, or were people cool?
2: Um. Yeah, it definitely played a role because I was I was the only person with a disability in my town.
1: What, in your town? In my town. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like classroom or like school. No. Like, wow, your town.
2: It wasn't until later where there was another girl born with Spina Bifida, um, but she was much younger than me. And then maybe a couple towns over, there was another, but we didn't go to the same school, so... Yeah, we were. It was literally three of us, but you know.
1: Yeah, you were like <laughs> you didn't you didn't form like a, a Crip squad or anything. You were just three right people. because
2: we went to different schools, lived in different towns, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: what was that like? Because I know for me, being sometimes in my classroom when I was growing up, I'm not the same as being the only person in the town, but being the only person in, in the town with a disability, did that did that affect you in any way?
2: being a kid and you know wanting to belong you you'd be lying if you said it didn't affect you
1: because of course
2: you kids being kids they never miss an opportunity to opportunity to point out that you're different
1: yeah of course
2: (laughs) so I could say yeah because you know kids just wanted to fit in I just wanted to fit in
1: and so like when I was a kid trying to fit in, I would downplay my disability or I would like, oh, it's no big deal, whatever. Did you, did, you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: did you find yourself using a lot of those tactics when you were younger?
2: Absolutely. And overcompensating and doing everything that I probably had no business doing. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And trying to, like, I remember being like 12, 13, 14, trying to be so cool and mm-hmm. trying to like, I would make up stories about all the stuff that I had done even though it wasn't true, to be like, yeah, I'm cool, right? But it, it, it really doesn't matter. And we'd be like, no, it still matters. We know you're lying. So like, right. you stop lying.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I definitely. I, I, I overcompensated by wanting to do everything. I was in a band. I tried to try out for basketball. I tried to try out for tennis. I, I was the little daredevil.
1: <laughs> what did you play in the band?
2: Um, The xylophone and bass drum.
1: Nice, because I wanted to, when we were in like eighth grade, I was in the band too. And we all had to play an instrument. And I, Mm -hmm. of course, was given the keyboard because I couldn't hold any other instruments and I couldn't do anything else. So they gave me the keyboard, but I couldn't read music, but I liked praise and attention. So whenever I would hit the note of whatever I was supposed to do, and I remember very specifically being like 12 and going doing a school concert that we were forced to do. And so like I would hit the right note and instead of paying attention to what I was supposed to do, I would hit the note and look at my look at the audience to be like, I did it right, praise me. So I realized very quickly that I didn't like the band, but I liked praise. Yeah. It's probably why I do what I do now, because I liked attention. It makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you um Cause, cause you're an influencer now, and you do you do like a lot of advocacy work. Did you uh-huh. know at a young age that you're like, I want to do this, I want to tell the world my story. How did that come about?
2: Absolutely not. I would, in my wildest dreams, I would not have thought I would be who I am now. Honestly, um, I was shy, a little timid. Uh, <laughs> wow. I wanted to work in healthcare, and. That all kind of changed for me once I uh, graduated college and I attempted to go to nursing school. I went to nursing school for a semester and um, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling the school. I wasn't feeling the way they were treating me and trying to say that I wouldn't be able to do these things. And now knowing what I know now, I was totally capable. But I let them trick me into thinking that I couldn't do it.
1: And so they they were super ableist in there like, Assumption yes. that you couldn't do, like, which is so silly because there's a really popular Instagrammer, The Seated Nurse, who does.
2: Yes, and who, she's a nurse. She so we know it's possible.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm jealous. I love her Instagram and, like, The Seated Nurse. If you're listening, come on the show. I want you here. <laughs> but, like, but, like, you know, we need more, we need more disabled people in the healthcare field as exactly. the professionals to be like, yeah. I get what you're going through. Like, there's her, there's, there's my friend Ryan who, who mm-hmm. was a nurse and is now, I think still does like some form of, of medical stuff, but is also now like an influencer. Like we're right. out there and we need, we definitely, I, I, I want the nursing profession and the medical profession to see physically disabled doctors and nurses and, the, and our community being properly represented because we're not always the patient and nor should we be.
2: Exactly. So after I left there, um, I kind of like was reevaluating my life because all I knew was healthcare and that I wanted to be a nurse. So I was like, well, what do I like? What do what else can I do? So I always did nails as a side hustle when I was in college. So I said, well, I yeah. can make that my career. That's easy to me. So I went to school, went back to school, got my certification for that. And I just really focused on myself and trying to see, trying to find my interests. And I realized I like the media. I like entertainment. I always have. But, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I never yeah. thought I could be a part of it. Yeah. So I was like, maybe you can. And I just started posting <laughs> pictures and modeling. And the people started reaching out to me to model for them. And it just took off from there.
1: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Like I did the same thing with my advocacy work. I didn't ever think somebody would want to hire me. I didn't ever think my story was important or had value or was something anyone would want to listen to. And it's funny because I was was just telling somebody like an hour ago that I put my name on a card, said my name's Andrew Gerza, said I do disability consulting work. Like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a speaker, hire me. And all of a sudden, people started hiring me, you know, calling me for interviews. And it was like very similar to you. I never thought that I always loved the spotlight as, as (laughs) my story about the band, but like, I never thought I'd be a part of it. And now like, you know, somebody, the other, somebody the other day said, you know, you're, you're an icon. And I kept being like, Oh, first of all, that feels weird. No, like, thanks, but no, but also like, I never thought that my story had value. So I'm so glad that you, Found the pivot for yourself too, right? And was like I'm gonna just try this and see what happens.
2: I, I um, and I, I never would have imagined this. I really never would have imagined this, and I still get weird when people come up to me and they're like, "Uh, I know you. I saw you on YouTube, huh? Yeah, you it's
1: know, like oh, <laughs> like what? I, I've never met you. Like somebody a year ago, or just before the pandemic, I was in LA and I was I was leaving the airport to go home and somebody from across the like walkway was like andrew it's you and i was like what is even happening and they right. stopped my mom at the airport and they were like oh my god i'm such a fan of yours. can i talk to you and so like we i chatted with them it was super nice but it also was like oh people are paying attention to what i'm doing that feels weird i don't know
2: yes it definitely feels weird I don't know how to respond still and I hope people don't I, think I'm being weird I really don't know what to say
1: yeah I'm, I'm shy like I turned into that shy like seven-year-old that's like I don't know how to oh you like me cool okay I'll just be over here being weird thanks mm-hmm. um but I, I'm really glad for you that you pivoted I wanted to ask you about about becoming a nail tech uh that's what it's called right
2: Yes. um, I like to jazz it up and call it nail artist, but yes, it's technically nail tech.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll, we'll say artist. So as a nail artist, like, is there, because I have spastic CP, which is different from what you have, obviously, but like, I couldn't imagine being a nail artist because I would have spasms and destroy their nails. Did you find like, it was hard in terms of accessibility to make that work for you? Or um, like... Ha-
2: it wasn't really difficult accessibility wise for me. Um every now and then I don't have like spasms in my arms or anything, but sometimes my legs will spasm and then it'll kick me back and it's like okay, wait, let me let this pass and I'll get back <laughs> to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But,
2: but no, so the that... accessibility part was it was kind of manageable for me.
1: Good. Good cuz I know for me with my spasms like If I got scared of screwing up their nail I would have Mm -hmm. a spasm and ruin it for them so like that's just not accessibility for me that would totally wouldn't work but I'm totally glad that that works for you um Mm -hmm. and also I think it's cool because when we think of nail techs I don't I don't think of like a wheelchair using person doing that and I think just for representation in like in the beauty industry which is like what nail artists are a part of that's so important like We need to see more of that. We need to see like, like wheelchair users doing that kind of stuff.
2: You're right. You're right. And I know another one. I know another one who does nails as well. I can't remember what state she's located in, but I know two of us so far.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I'm sure there are aspiring disabled nail artists out there who should totally like follow you and and see if that works for them. Because, I mean, I'm sure that's also a great way to make some income if if it's hard to find a job and it's hard to find work like that's a great right. way to, to employ yourself
2: right and it's definitely you know you, it allows you to make your own schedule and you know pretty much live life on your own terms
1: yeah exactly um so i wanted to ask you because a lot of your work and when you emailed me and you sent me the form you were like i want to talk about positivity and inclusion So I know that for every single disabled person, inclusion means, or person with a disability rather, inclusion means a different thing for all of us. Mm -hmm. What does inclusion look like and mean for you specifically? And how do you strive to show that?
2: Um, Inclusion for me is having people with disabilities in the rooms when you're making decisions, especially for people with disabilities. Um, Yeah. And specifically... For me, since I like the media and entertainment, that goes for, you know, your TV shows, your movies, um, your print ads and everything, all of that. Why aren't there people with disabilities making decisions on where we should be included?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and how we're being marketed to. Exactly. Like, I did a tweet the other day that was like, you know, sometimes because of my disabilities, I have to wear diapers because I'm disabled. Why don't we have, like cool commercials with like other disabled folks talking about how they need that and how like why can't that be marketed to us like why is everything marketed to everyone except us unless you want to make it like an inspiration porny moment then you market us but otherwise like no so I think I agree with you I think in terms of entertainment we like what is it it's like three percent of characters on the on tv are disabled and like right none of us can get jobs because there's nothing for us so I think Mm -hmm. like you know what you're doing in what you're wanting to do in entertainment what you're wanting to do in like modeling seeing that like is so important and to imagine like we're seeing all this stuff right now with like black kids seeing characters and being like wow that's me like I would love to know that some disabled like 12 year old is seeing your modeling or seeing what I do and being like wow that's me like there's I can do this and like I think to anyone who does tv and who does like anyone in Hollywood and I know there are Hollywood people listening so Mm -hmm. if you're listening Mm -hmm. like put us in stuff because it will make an impact not only to us but also to like future generations who need
2: that and and not only put us in stuff, but let us be a part of your script writing uh, concept, or you know, we we can yeah. make the part better. Trust us.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we and have I've
2: the and the knowledge.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the, just the lived experience to do all that. I've been doing a, a lot of that myself right now. Can't speak too much about it, but I've been doing a lot of like script advising and putting a, putting my lived experience into like upcoming productions, and it's okay. really cool. Like I love doing that because. You get to see and show somebody like, hey, this is my lived experience. Here's how this character might react. Let's give some reality to it. Because I I find a lot of disabled characters, especially wheelchair using characters, they're like one dimensional and they don't really go deeper into ableism, internalized Mm -hmm. ableism, what a real person with a disability might be feeling. And I, I think having a disabled person in the room to write that stuff for you changes that whole perspective.
2: I completely agree.
1: And I just think like, I just want more of it. Like, I'm just so tired of seeing like the same characters and the same storyline. And like, we've seen it a little bit with like, you know, sex education was a great start. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched it yet, but I know sex lives with college girls has has a character in it that- And it's
2: really good. I
1: story. have watched it. It is really good. Good, because I haven't yet. And I wasn't sure if it was- gonna be, I'm really glad that, that it's good. Um, and, you know, The L Word had Jillian Mercado in it doing, like, a really great character. Like, we just need more nuanced disabled characters who are- I think what we need for characters that I haven't seen too much of yet, we need flawed disabled characters who right. like make mistakes who right. mess up who like say the wrong thing and i don't think we're there yet we're still kind of showing the disabled characters like yeah they're okay they're they're pretty good and, Like, they don't they don't do anything wrong necessarily and we need more of like the character messing up to show how human they are
2: correct we do
1: and, at least i think anyway so other than like and I totally agree with you about inclusion being having someone in the room, but also having someone like in the writers' mm-hmm. room or in the you know to, mm-hmm. to or in the in the space to help make the decision. In what other ways do you strive to like show that part of inclusion?
2: Um, through my life, through showing my life through social media, um, I think social media is a great outlet, and it, it allows us to be seen in ways that we haven't been seen before. So um, I feel like through the work that I do with my photos, my videos, uh, my podcast, you know, I, I feel like that gives us an outlet for, for the media to see us, to come to us. I'm welcoming
0: yeah. you in.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I like that because usually like, you know, we can't wait for the media to decide that we're worthy. We have to do it ourselves. Exactly. And, like I love that hustle. I love that 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 like drive to be like, well, fuck, you're not going to put me in a thing. I'm going to create my own right. thing. Like I'm before I started,
2: I always say I'm creating yeah. my own lane.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own table. I'm gonna make my own. I don't want to sit at your table. I'm gonna create my own. Like that's what I'm. That's, that's what it. I like to do. Like I'm
2: gonna bring you the table. And how about you come sit? Yeah
1: yeah and then I'll let you come sit at my table that I made for myself yeah exactly Um, so I want to ask you about advocacy and being a disabled person of color because I think that a lot of the disability discourse and I can tell you because I benefit directly from this I'm a white disabled person and Mm -hmm. I have because of that I, I believe because of a lot of that I have a platform so what I like to do is to shut up sometimes and let disabled people of color have, have take up space. How do you feel as a, let's kind of break this down into two things. How do you feel as a disabled person of color? Like what, how does that experience, those two experiences of being a person of color and disabled intersect for you?
2: Uh, it intersects a lot, especially when you're dealing with um, brands and partnerships and things like that because you don't know how to break through the barrier sometimes. It's like I see some of my counterparts who are not Black who seem to still get more opportunities than I've been offered. Yeah. And so it's like, where where is the glass ceiling to break through? Yeah, but I just again try to use my own platform to make people aware of it
1: like I think I think it's so prevalent right now and I constantly think of like you know I have this platform I have this podcast if Mm -hmm. I was a black disabled creator would I have the same reach would I be given the same latitude to talk about the stuff I talk about Would I like Mm -hmm. and I think we have to be very aware of that so like you know, mm-hmm. I really ad- admire what you're doing because we still view disability as white. Um, and, you know, Vailissa B- Thompson a couple years ago came out with Disability Too White. Um, yeah. I, that's yeah, yeah. And I've, I've had her on the show too and we talked about the same thing. The racism within the disability community is really transparent. Still
2: strong. Still strong. It's, yeah,
1: and it's... <laughs> You know, and I'm saying that as somebody who directly benefits from that racism. So like, what would you say to white your white disabled counterparts to help us do better?
2: well i am I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a get to that part what I would say to yeah, them. Yeah. but we have it we have to look at it as this this is the process. this is the process that that women of color went through before we were even allowed to be on screen with other white people we it was the process of we're gonna let first it was the white women then it was the light-skinned black women and and now we're seeing more highly pigmented women of color you know in film and tv now and now that it's getting to the people with disabilities we're going we're seeing the same thing we have to start with the white women. Why? I don't know. But we have to start there. And then we're going to see us slowly start to trickle in. So what I would say to non-Black people who are getting these opportunities that I see them get, are you are you vouching for your person of color? Are you truly an ally? Are you helping? Or are you just reaping the benefits?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, i do it all the time i realize how, how how racism has helped me whether i whether i notice it or not it has helped me to do what i do so i'm constantly that's why i'm always at every time I'm with the uh, a black disabled person i'm always saying can we talk about this because i think it's so important to be constantly reminded like yeah you can say you're anti-racist and you can say you're inclusive and you can say all that stuff all day long mm-hmm. but are you doing anything about it or are you just saying right. that to feel mm-hmm. better Exactly. And I think, you know, the, I think the racism in the disability community, and I have to I can think of like times where I've totally benefited from it and done mm-hmm. it without thinking. And so I just I constantly use use I think about the ways that I have to six and take up space. Speaking of me not taking up space. I want to talk to you about your podcast, The Wheel Down, because oh. I think it's awesome. Okay. It's important. And so, why did you want to create that show? What, what was the why did you want to start that?
2: My vision behind The Wheel Down started during the pandemic. And I used to do these lives every week because we had nothing else to do at
0: the
2: time. Of course, I used to right? Do these lives every week. And it used to get real and raunchy. And I just thought, I could turn this into a show. I can turn this into an actual podcast where we talk about real topics that people don't think people with disabilities talk about. And we don't, and it's coming from people with disabilities from our perspective of life. Yeah. You know? So I just wanted to make sure I had a person on the show each time who had a different perspective of life from me. And we just chopped it up and talked about it. Like, tell me about your life with a disability and, I, and let's
1: do it together <laughs> yeah yeah and I love how your co-host is somebody who acquired their disability and you're somebody who was who has congenital right. disabilities I, I think that those are such two very unique perspectives that mm-hmm. totally are are the same in some ways and totally are not the same in some ways and right so to have those two perspectives like just talking about real shit is so valuable because we don't ever hear that we think of disability as you had an accident you were once normal and now you're not anymore right to have
2: unfortunately that's the way that's the way a lot of people think about disability
1: and we know like that's just not true so like I listened to it to a couple episodes this morning to get a feel of it and I love how Mm -hmm. just I love how it's different I love how it's not your typical disability podcast I love Mm -hmm. how it's like Summer twelve minutes, summer twenty two. Like it's really kind of all over the shop, and I love that. Yeah. I love how it's just like it <laughs> is what it is, and
0: right?
1: So like, I just think that that kind of stuff, having those voices out there, especially having you know people of color on a, on a podcast platform talking about disability, we don't get that ever. So like, no. it's so ever, important. ever, mm-hmm. like, like up until like when I started doing this show right I was the the only one talking about sexuality now and like mm. you know there was and there was no the idea of having a black disabled podcast host was like what are you even talking about no way so the fact right. that you're putting that out there is really cool and so I wish <laughs> your show like so much success because we just need more of that stuff like enough of me rambling on like my show's great and that's <laughs> fine but like you know, awesome. I think I think other shows just need other voices need to be heard. So I appreciate that. And you and I talked off air about like some possible collaboration. So we're gonna Yeah,
0: most we'll definitely.
1: See, <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what, what shakes out. But um what else did I want to ask you about? Uh so yeah, let's talk about your photos because okay. your modeling your modeling photos are I looked at your photos this morning to get a feel for you before we chatted today. And your photos, like, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I am a camera whore. I love the camera. I love attention. And I was like, these photos are fantastic. Wow, they are they are so stunning because you don't give any fucks about, like at least at least in the imagery that I saw, you could tell you are like can care that I'm a wheelchair I don't care about the way. You think I'm being perceived? I'm just gonna enjoy myself and just play. What is it like for you to um to do that, to be uh to be in front of the camera?
2: I love it. I love pushing the envelope, I love to step outside of my own comfort zone. Um, I, I really like being in front of the camera. I feel so at home, like when I'm when I'm in front of the camera doing shoots. And I really like the more creative side of shoots, as you can, as you probably could tell.
1: Yeah, like I'm gonna use one of the photos for when when this okay. episode gets released because they're just so they're just they're just the only word I can think of was fire. When I saw, so I was like, these are incredible. Why, why are they Why not? And I I Thank looked you. at the I looked at like the number of of likes you had, and I was like, why are there not thousands of likes on this? Like, why?
2: You know, let- let me tell you about that.
1: <laughs> I'm ready.
2: I really do feel like social media suppresses us, and I want to know why. But I really do feel like that they they try to make sure that we don't hit a certain cap or that we're not shown to, to certain audiences. Yeah. Because my yeah. numbers don't make sense half this, over half the time.
1: No, they don't. I was looking at the like I was looking. I went onto your Instagram and I clicked on one of the pictures I liked. And I was, I was expecting it to have like, you know, thousands of likes. And I looked and I was like, that doesn't, what? No, mm-hmm. like what? Mm-hmm. So, just to I just took a screenshot yesterday
2: of my views from my story. And it was like a bunch of views here and then it went down to nothing, like from one to the next. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense.
1: It does make, and the, the trouble <laughs> with that is, and I, I know that people are listening being like social media, is silly, whatever, don't worry about it. But the trouble with that is like, we use those metrics to work mm-hmm. with a brand, to get a job, to get mm-hmm. money, to get paid to do stuff. And so when they see, like, you know, it's an unfortunate question that all of us are being asked now. Like, hey, what's your what's your follower account? I'm like, ew, do I have to tell you like why? What right. does it matter? Like, you've been
2: stuck at the same number for months, and I don't know why. I don't know what's like what.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't make any sense. So, so everybody listening right now follow Karnesha on all the places because it's important that we use our power as people on social media to uplift these these accounts because like I agree with you I think Instagram and I think Twitter I think all those places like I talk pretty openly about sexuality and I have to be so careful what I say Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: I'm skirting right up against the line and so you mentioned like a minute ago that you kind of wanted to talk about raunchy stuff so I want to ask you, can we talk about sexuality a little bit?
2: Sure. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Let's, let's, I want to get in there with you. So like, how does, how does your disability play a role in your sexuality?
2: Um, it, I want to say it doesn't, but we all know that it does one way or another. It does. Yeah. Instead of sometimes that I wish I could be so spontaneous and do this and that we have to plan like we have to plan and it yeah i
0: can't
2: be as spontaneous as i would like to be you know um what is
1: what is one like sexy thing you want to do that's spontaneous that you're like i just can't
2: i would love to be in public and like be out somewhere and we go slip off in the bathroom or something somewhere
1: (laughs) me too me (laughs) too too i i had an experience once and i'll share this i don't know if i've shared this before but if i have oh well you're hearing it again so i um i was with a guy once we had dinner at this restaurant and he was giving me the sex size the whole time we were eating and so after we had lunch we went to the elevator to go to the subway and he like stopped the elevator and we hooked up in the elevator which was hot but also then i couldn't pull my pants up so i was trying to like pull my pants up as I was leaving the elevator being be like, oh, no, will anyone see me? Like, I'm fine because I'm naked. So, like, I've done it. And I don't nec- – like, it's hot, but I don't necessarily know that it was the sexiest thing ever because, like, yeah. you know, the idea of doing it in public assumes you have the ability enough to mm-hmm. redress really quickly. And if mm-hmm. you don't, like, the idea of fucking in public – isn't so hot anymore when you're like oh I you mean i can't get dressed really fast so like from experience i know the fantasy is hot the reality was not so much
2: (laughs) right the fantasy sounds really good (laughs) yeah (laughs) see no i've never i've i've like kissed in an elevator and stuff like that but to actually do the do that would be nice (laughs)
1: Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. And it just sort of happened. And I was like, well, we're doing it now. It's happening. And it was one of those elevators. It was the elevator in the subway. And I thought mm. for sure there's like there's a camera in here. And for years, I was worried that, like, they were going to catch me and be like, Andrew, did you suck some guy off in the elevator? And I'm like, yeah, sorry, I did. So, like, yeah, <laughs> I uh, I constantly worried that i get caught. And it was... Yeah. Constant fear, yeah, but but so just tell me more. I'd l- tell me more about like sex and disability for you and how it how it plays a role, like other than just like the spontaneity. Like, what kind of stuff sexually do you like that you can do?
2: Um, I, it's not much that I can't do. So the only thing that I can't do is like butt play because I don't have a rectum. So.
1: Well, that makes sense. You know,
2: everything else is pretty much, you know,
1: everything. (laughs) And I mean, I think you should say it louder for the people in the back because
2: everything else is fair game, people. (laughs) Very sexual person.
1: (laughs) And I think we found the title of this episode, which will be "Everything Else Is Fair Game." Amazing. Uh, I like. (laughs) um, But I think also, like you know, do you deal with a lot of? sexual ableism do you deal with people saying like horrible things about your body
2: yes well i'm not gonna say that i'm i don't really deal with people i don't i don't tolerate a lot of things like that so
1: people
2: people pretty much know me like don't don't taste me like that but um i deal (laughs) with (laughs) i deal with people who are probably only interested in sex and that part yeah. feels like ableism to me because you're, you're fetishizing and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's more than that. I can offer way you more want than to put
1: that. Me a, yeah. <laughs> you want to put me on your fuck it list when I could offer you like intimacy in a, a relationship or like you can get to know somebody. And I right. feel that way too. Sometimes like I work with sex workers to have my needs met and they're great. And I, I'm very thankful that I get to access that. But mm-hmm. there are moments where I'm like, "Gee, I wish I had a boyfriend right now. Wish I had mm-hmm. somebody that I could like just curl up with and watch a movie. And maybe if we wanted to fuck around after, great. Like, but right. I can't do that because nobody wants to go on a proper date. Like nobody wants exactly. Like, <laughs> and there's part of that intimacy that I that I like. I don't know what kind of boyfriend I would be. I don't know what kind of partner I would be because no one's given me the chance to try.
2: Mm. I can I I can huh. kind of relate to that, and I and I'm sure there are people who would listen to this and be like, "That's not true." I can kind of relate to that because while yeah. it, a lot of my past dealings, it may have looked like I've been in a relationship, but I haven't actually been in a relationship. It's like yeah. I, I'm always in long term situations, but never the the real thing.
1: Yeah, I've, n- I've never there. had it, and so like. I often feel like I'm 37 now, which makes me feel really old, but I'm 37 now. And I often feel like emotionally when it comes to dating, I feel like I'm 17 because I'm like, I've never done this. I've never had a long-term person who was like, I want to stick around. Let's try this. Mm -hmm. Like, so I feel when I watch like romantic comedies where they go off and get married, I'm always like, what is that like to have somebody who wants to stick around for months and be your friend and like, get to know you and see if you're compatible like what is it like
2: and hey, you know what be specific on what you want because please just make sure when you figure it out you're specific because it's easy you can get a friend friends friends are easy because yeah. my problem is they want to be my friend and they want to be my friend forever i don't want to be your friend forever
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to get married up here <laughs> yeah right I mean it's hard though because like we've been taught we've been socialized as disabled people to be polite to be nice to be you know not all of us but a lot of me I have been taught to be compliant so when somebody says I want to be your friend instead of saying I want more from you I say oh cool of course of course no problem when what I really want to say is actually I was hoping we could try to yeah (laughs) or like could we could we be like friend could we be like more than that and like mm-hmm. so but I, I agree with you i think a lot of disabled people are are put in the friend zone or put in a position of just friends because how could anybody think to be with a disabled person as a partner yeah
2: it's it's it's, it's just preposterous
1: right i, I mean it's it's mm. such a shock that in 2022 we might want to be with you as more than just friends yeah like and Shit. I
2: see, I see some successful stories. I, you know, I don't know why it hasn't reached me yet, but I see some successful stories. But sadly, the stories that I that I have personally seen that seem successful are with people who acquired their disability and not born with a disability.
1: Yeah, and I would like to see, like we talked about our love of media. I would love to see people with congenital disabilities mm-hmm. in popular media because I mean we see it a little bit with my, with my friend Ryan O'Connell on special like that's he was born with his disability that's great but that's mm-hmm. only one example we need more of that like we need congenital and acquired disabilities to be together in scenes together like yeah why can't we be together why and I say this all the time in my head and on the show why is acquired disability okay a congenital disability is not okay. Can we, and we like, if you put that on, on a like, Let's put it
2: on a shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great question, but nobody would everybody would, if I put that on a tweet, somebody would say, oh, well, you know, they're not, both are fine. And I would say, no, they're not. Look how, look at the difference of how we're treated.
2: They definitely and treat how, us different. And it's it's obvious to us, but sometimes even the people with the acquired disability don't see it.
1: Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. And like for a while there, I'll be honest, even my own internalized ableism, I used to think people with acquired disabilities were so sexy because they were once able-bodied and they were once like a real person. And so I would think, mm-hmm. oh, you're so hot because you used to be able to walk or you used to be able to do this. And I never did. So I, I would always think that they were the pinnacle of like what disability should be. And only now am I starting to be like, oh, no, that's different now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I think,
1: (laughs) like, it's just, it's just really, it's sad that we're still in 2022 being like, where, where's our, where's our turn? But if I rolled up my wheelchair and said I was in a car crash and now I'm a wheelchair user watch the uh, watch the doors fly open and I'm they, not would saying it's right.
2: they would flee they would they would talk to you <laughs> yeah.
1: and I'm not saying it's right I'm not saying I'm not trying to say that one is better than the other I'm saying this is the reality for us and it hurts a lot to see only acquired <laughs> disabilities get noticed mm-hmm. and like dude we should write that rom-com we should write like the congenital um, disability that like, would
2: be an amazing show but we would have to get entertainment to pick
1: it up <laughs> i mean we i mean come on i know people in hollywood i know people that are doing stuff we will write that shit for you pay us to write it for you we'll do it it's great <laughs>
2: hey well let's just let's go ahead and put it out in the atmosphere right now
1: yeah, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna manifest it for both of us we would hey, like yo. we would like a rom-com with two People with congenital disabilities. So let me think. We'll say spina bifida, and we'll say mine. We'll say CP. We want someone. We want two characters with spina bifida and CP to fall in love, and just see. Let's just see what happens.
2: I, I, I love that idea.
1: I'm down for it. I don't know what we would call it, but we would figure. Out, we would figure out some like cool hip title for it, and it would be great.
2: Um, um cool we'll talk about that
1: (laughs) we we so should so we've talked a bit about your modeling so when I when I was looking at you at your stuff today like you got some pretty good press going on uh but there was there was one press piece that I saw that I was like and I know you didn't write it I know you had no hand in it whoever picked it up said something like and I'm paraphrasing here like wheelchair bound model doesn't let spine bifida stop her or something like that and i cringed because i was like oh
0: Mm -hmm. we're still using
1: wheelchair bound hey and so Mm -hmm. i wanted to i wanted to ask you like when that came out what did you feel when that came out
2: um you know you know when you hear it or when you see it you just feel that like immediately stab to the heart like oh we didn't use that term why and that that experience just taught me that I can be in control of um the the verbiage that's used on stories that are put out about I might I'm pretty sure I wasn't aware then you know of how they were going to write it but now I make sure that beforehand we talk about like how you're going to refer to me how you're going to um, title this and and just trying to make sure that it is the way that I would like to be represented
0: yeah
1: because I mean I saw that and I was like again great like I understand what they were trying to do but like what mm-hmm. are you doing and I knew that you had nothing to do with it because I was like I'm sure if Karnisha had anything to do with it she would be like no what the, what is this like no like and it's so hard because you want that exposure so that people see disabilities and that's important but then you're like what kind of exposure are they getting are they are they gonna mm-hmm. see the story and think wow could we need more of that or are they gonna think oh good for her that wheelchair bound girl doing things like no nah. right and so like for me I love to play with language like I use the word cripple and what I do I use the word like gimp in what I do I love to play with that because <laughs> Like, why not? So what does language mean for you? Like, what kind of language do you like?
2: Um, I use person first language.
1: Um, You can say, I'm
2: not going to say you can say whatever you want, but in the respectful way that you refer to me, you just make sure you put me first, like as the person. So like, I am a person with a disability or a person who uses a wheelchair. Um, I haven't. I don't, I don't think I've gotten to the point where I embrace like the, the, the words like you do. I, I don't know that, if, I, if I can.
1: But, and I mean, that's cool. Like, like for me, it's, for me, it's a per- total personal choice. When mm-hmm. I use words like "cripple," people take up, people sit up and take notice. So I'm able to say cripple and then talk about stuff that ableism, internalized ableism, all the stuff that we kind of talked about today but i get to i get to shock them first and so then they pay attention right. to what i'm talking about but like
2: and, and, and i'm w- learning that i'm learning to shock people first i i'm just so straightforward i haven't i haven't completely grasped that concept yet
1: <laughs> it might come it might not and triple and might be a word that you're like i don't want to use that for myself ever which is totally mm-hmm. totally fine i just thought like when i saw wheelchair bound in this beautiful photo of you i was like Oh no! You've turned. And then
2: it to... kind of like takes away from the whole thing.
1: Yeah, like... exactly. And I just didn't. I didn't like that for you because I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, she had no part in how they how they labeled this. No, and that's I didn't. Because if you had a part in that, like maybe you would use different language. Maybe you would you would write the article differently. Like, like mm-hmm. copywriters hire us because we can make your copy so much right. more inclusive than what you have right now. Like hire us yeah you know especially
2: um, as a writer i know what sounds good and what's inappropriate
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and so like do you think No, i use identity first language so i call myself like a cripple and a gimp and all that stuff do you think that for you like what is why is person first language important for you
2: because in the in the way that i portray myself and the work that i put out I want people to make sure that they see that I'm a human first because, you know, we get dehumanized so much. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, see that I am a person and I also has a, have a disability. Like yeah, acknowledge yeah. all of it. But first I want you to recognize that I'm still human.
1: So that when you, before you, so that, so that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that <laughs> means like, if they say an ableist thing, if they see you as a person first, they have to realize that the thing they just said hurt a person
2: exactly mm-hmm.
1: see i never i've never heard it kind of phrased that way before mm-hmm. so like that that makes sense now like for again for me it's it's identity first and i picked this identity to like shock people into paying attention to me but yeah. i totally get why for you it's it's a little bit different and i get i understand that totally
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i have come to the end of my questions that i oh. they? was there anything this else was that you? Fun. it was so great was there anything else that you wanted to chat about that we haven't explored yet
2: mm, I just feel like we hit all the important parts
1: we got <laughs> to all the places um, yeah. I, I wanted to I, I did want to go back to the sex a little bit if we could for a minute okay. like so we know you want to get freaky in the bathroom we got that which is great and I support you and if that ever happens I hope it does uh <laughs> what are what is like another fantasy you have around sexuality that, that is not accessible right now because of accessibility and maybe we could talk through how to make it accessible for you
2: Hmm let's see I think I think I tried this one time being like plastered to the wall And it was a little harder than I thought in my mind. And I guess because of my accessibility and the things that I, I couldn't really hold myself up the way I wanted to. And he was trying. It was just a lot because I'm small and the guys are usually bigger than me. And it's just, it didn't work out the way I liked.
1: (laughs) And I can imagine like the wall is rough. I can imagine trying to hold onto the rough wall and like, position yourself like again the idea of okay because you brought up walls I can tell you my <sighs> biggest fantasy that I've not ever had is to be fucked up by a guy against a wall See? I can't there's no like it, just looks so fun. <laughs> it looks so fucking fun and I have never done it but I've wanted to since I was like 17 mm-hmm. like Andrew's wet dream fantasy is that right there since I was 17 I've never been able to do it and I'll never mm-hmm. be able to do it and there's a part of my sexual self that's like I really want to like I really want it. I really so, want to. Like how, how do we, how do you think we make that experience more accessible? Like do we get padded walls? Do we get like 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 accessible tape that we put on the wall? How do we do that?
2: I don't know. I really don't know how to make that more accessible. And I and I've revisited this in my mind a lot. The only thing I thought that may help was getting one of those sex swings that you hang from the door, and maybe it would be kind of like it. I thought about Possibly.
1: that.
2: I haven't gotten it yet, but I did think about doing that.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you do it, please send me like, like please send <laughs> me like a, like, a <laughs> like yeah. Send me a rundown of how that how that worked out for you. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think how do we make that accessible. Like, I was thinking, do we put like what do you what could you put in the wall to make it less rough because if the wall was less rough you could probably position yourself and hold on longer while he helped to stabilize you
2: maybe and part of it could be that I'm so small that could also be a factor
1: it could be too maybe (laughs) if you like because of the of bifida you're a bit Crunched in like one yes. position, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Me too. With the with the CP, I'm in the 90 degree like sitting position all the time. So I am shit like Yeah, I'm 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 like a a C almost mm-hmm. like in my chair. So yeah, I, I totally get it. But I, I love that we have the same sexual fantasy of wanting to be fucked <laughs> up against. That's really like, cool. That makes, me, that makes me really happy. I didn't I didn't think we would. Um, I had so much fun with you today. This was such a good, fun, easy chat. And I just think I love what you're doing. And I want to work with you on more stuff. Like It was really fun. Thank you.
2: I have enjoyed being here today. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to talk later and, you know, see what we can collab on in
1: in the future. (laughs) I would love that. I would love that. if you need a guest for the wheel down, I'm here and I would love to come on. Absolutely.
2: I've already got you in my book.
1: (laughs) Amazing. I'm ready to go. Um, And tell your co-host that if he wants to come on, if he wants to come on here, it's he, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I have two. I kind of go between two of my friends who are my co-hosts. So there okay. is uh, well, him, Leo, which is Leo, and then my other friend, her name is Amy.
1: If they both want to come on the show, I'm always looking for more guests, let them know. All right. I definitely will let them know. Awesome. Just before we head off, I want to make sure that everyone can follow you because your photos are fire. and They're amazing. And everyone should see them and follow you. Because okay. Instagram is ableist and doesn't give us space. Um, so how do the people do that? Where can they follow you? How can they support you?
2: All right, guys. So my Instagram handle is K period Chantel official, and that is spelled K period S H A N T E L official. And um, you can find me on Facebook at Carnisha Chantel. And um, the wheel down is found on all streaming platforms for right now.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and it will be on all platforms and we we are going to talk about ways that it might even be out there in the world other ways too so right. uh <laughs> cool so Kanisha, this was so fun thank you for taking the time tonight to chat with me and you and i will talk very soon okay
2: okay thank you have a good
1: one thank you bye <laughs> bye bye all right friends that's another episode of disability after dark from me your disabled daddy Andrew Gerza if you want to follow my work you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew Gerza underscore or you can follow my website www.andrewgerza.com, to find out more about what I do and of course you can follow us on patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad free by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Cripple & Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.